0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message.
1: Father, I thank you for this this time, Lord Jesus, where we sense that you're in this place with us, God. Lord, we just declare that your plans for today are greater than our plans, Lord. And we, when you say turn left, we'll turn left, Father. And we just ask this morning, God, for what you've begun here, this deep healing in hearts, Lord. I just declare, Father, that, that the enemy is losing ground in lives this morning, Father. That the, the beat-up mentality that we came in here with is changing and there's victory this morning, Lord. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, um, so if you brought friends this morning, it's the best day to do it because God showed up, but also I'm sure you're telling them, it's never like this, I promise, it's never like this. <laughs> but uh, we love, this is the type of church, like Casey was saying, we love to see God uh, move in lives, and so if he has a plan to extend the worship, then we'll go there. Um, now, I want to give you a couple announcements before Josh comes. It's kind of funny the way it worked out, because I wasn't supposed to be here today. Bobby D ended up having uh, car trouble on the way to Colorado, so the plan shifted, and uh, Josh came back from vacation yesterday. So I was like, oh, you'll be here so you can preach. And he had like, to do it on his way home. But I've been home since Friday. I could have done it in an easier time. But, but uh, I know he has a special word that's been on his heart. I asked him if he wanted me to preach. He said he really wanted to share this. And so uh, he's going to come up for a few minutes and do an abbreviated Josh uh, message this morning in Jesus' name. Can you give it up for Josh as he comes? Hey, by the way, before he gets here, I want you to remind you on Wednesday, we have our last kids event of the summer, and it's a pool party at my place, and uh, so they have the directions on the flyers at the Welcome Center if you are interested in uh, having your kids come to the pool party. It's at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, and also next Saturday, we're doing Laundry Love Outreach. We're going to go to the laundromat and pay for some people's laundry and love them uh, like Jesus. We're meeting here at 9 a.m. if you want to join us for that. Here's Josh.
0: Here's Josh. <laughs> hey... uh I know it 's late can Can I just ask for a little grace this morning though uh, we uh this message that God has has actually it 's not even something that God even downloaded unto me, um, but it 's a message that I believe is uh So vital for this generation and so important. And it's, you guys think that, oh, it's just another message, but everything that we did up until this point was like leading, was like pulling on this message, was like, this is where we're going. Like, this is so, so just bear with me as we go here. I'm going to pray real quick and then I'm just going to kind of like tie something together real quick as we move forward. So, Holy Spirit, we say, thank you for breaking in to our service today. Thank you for coming and opening up up heaven and allowing us to join with what you're doing and what you're saying. Holy Spirit, I just, I give you myself right now and begin to speak through me. Don't let this be about me or my pride or anything else, God, but I lay myself down and I say, have your way, Lord. Open up our hearts to your spirit this morning that we don't leave the same. Lord, allow us to come into an atmosphere that we begin to change, actually change. So Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. Come and have your way. God, I break down anything that will allow me to be afraid to say what it is that you have a say. Lord, I give it to you in your precious name. Amen and amen, amen. I will go fast, so keep up with me if you can. Um, this is the first time I've spoken on this. I don't know, does anybody else in here know of a lady or a minister by the name of Christine Kane? Christine Kane. Have you guys heard the message of get off the mat? Awesome. This message is so important, and most of the time I don't go and take somebody else's message, but this message is so vital that I understand that not everybody is going to go on YouTube and find this message, and I believe it's such an important thing that I've taken it, and I've, I've put some stuff within it, and I've, I've kind of used it, and so this message is based off what it's called, and it's called Get Off the Mat. And it's going to be in, for your Bible's sake, we're going to be in John chapter 5, verse 1 through 16. And some of you may have heard me talk on this before. Um, we're talking about the bull, the pool, the, bull, the pool at the gate called beautiful, the pool called Bethesda. Oh, a couple years ago, some of you guys may know my. Uh, job outside of here as I do full-time ministry. I also work full-time for the state of Arizona at the Arizona House of Representatives. And sometimes during our busy season, I work for long periods of time. And one of those periods of time, I worked for about 48 hours, maybe 47 hours straight without sleeping. Without I was there that long. And I got up and we finished and I started driving home and and I tie this in because we've been on a a series called The Rumble Strip. And I actually started hitting this rumble strip as I went home, but the rumble strip didn't warn me, it it, it scared me. But the reason it scared me is when I hit the rumble strip, it popped my tire and I, I actually began to spin out on the interstate and I went on, started going on the side of my car into the gulch and into this area and I just landed and Jen can verify five feet from coming, oncoming traffic on the other side on the I-10. Whew. Now that rumble strip didn't warn me of anything. It, it, it almost killed me. <laughs> but here's what actually happens. Is sometimes our rumble strip does more than warn us. Because if we stay on the rumble strip, it could actually kill us. If we stay on our rumble strip, it'll actually kill us. And instead of using a rumble strip today, I'm gonna talk about a mat. If we stay on our mat, it will kill us. And so what I wanna do is I wanna read this, I'm gonna go quickly, I'm gonna read through the story here, and then I'm gonna touch on parts, I might skip some things, I really don't want to, but I may. And we're gonna start John chapter five, verse one And here, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is, in, uh, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep gate, a pool. In Aramaic, it's called uh, Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And in some of your translations, it goes on to explain. Uh, some of you don't have verse 4. Some of you do. But I'm going to go ahead and read verse 4. And it says this, um, Uh, uh, lay here uh, the invalids waiting for the moving of the water for an angel of the Lord would go down at a certain season into the pool and stir the waters and whoever stepped in at the first of the stirring of the waters would be healed of whatever disease he had. Going on to verse five. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there And knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus looked at him and said, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his mat and he walked. Now that day was on the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your mat. But he said to them, the man who healed me, that man said, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who is that man who said that to you? Take up your mat and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. And afterward, after this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Now sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus from that day forward. Because he was doing things on the Sabbath. Now two quick things I want to point out here because I don't have time to get to them. Is first thing is false religion hates healing. The religious will always want you to stay where you're at and they're always going to hate healing. That's why you have so many people out there that say healing doesn't exist. It does exist. It's alive and well. Number two is this part right here, Jesus says, see, you are healed. And, and Jesus says this. He says, sin no more. I know it says Jesus because it's in red lettering. Jesus said this. He said, sin no more. Let me, I want to say this one more time. Jesus said this. Sin no more. Sin no more. That something worse may not happen to you. But we see here that that they come through this plate, I am going to skip a little bit forward here because I want to get to some of the meat of this. Um, As we begin the scripture, it talks about coming into the sheep's gate, this place where the pool um, is at. And what this gate is and why they called it that is half the pool was for washing of the sheep. The sheep would come in, they'd wash them, so they'd go go into the city. The other half was for these invalids that they would hope. And, And as I began to read the scripture, and I talked about in verse four, the stirring of the water. Some of you may have heard me talk about this before, but sometimes God has to begin to stir up the dirt inside your life to be able to heal you see the waters have to be stirred a little bit before healing can take place many times we're like it's getting worse and i'm like it's getting worse because it's about to get better god's stirring up the dirt and the water gets murky a little bit before you step in and get healed i'm telling you many times we have to be stirred and i believe that's what god is doing in this hour is he's stirring up people but what ha- begins to happen, as you see, and I draw this picture, is there's this pool. And there are five different colonnades. Think about a big awning over here. And multitudes, groups of people would be around these colonnades. And and, and they would group together by their sickness. This, the blind over here and, 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 and the, uh, uh, the, the deaf over here and those with um, the lame or, or whoever else. They're all grouped together. And what you begin to see is, is that misery begins to love company. And they begin to get comfortable. And, and, and I, I, I see this image in the church today. The same things begin to happen. And for whatever reason, somehow, people with the same issue always find each other. So you look in the church and you begin to see that, that the people who like to gossip somehow will gossip together all the time. And, and, and the people who say, I love this, the people who say that, that, Oh, I'm not under the law anymore. Find each other. And they end up doing crazy things together. (laughs) How do they find each other? I don't know. But whatever reason is, when we ever have an issue, they begin to group together. And they find each other. The foodies get together. The, the people who like to work out get together and they point at everybody else say, you're not healthy enough. <laughs> but we begin to be, come together and what happens when we get together and, and we, we, we get our same issues is, is something begins to develop in this getting together. Why? Because nobody wants to do this alone. Nobody wants to lie down by the pool alone. So we get together and, and, and something begins to form that we talk hear a lot about and that's a culture. So this culture of sickness, because what happens is a group of people who are sick gets together, who, who are, are invalid, and they begin to fester that sickness, and it begins to, to, to stink up that same area where all these people are at, and it becomes a culture. And what happens is that sickness, that, that culture of sickness actually becomes more dangerous than the sickness itself. Because when everybody in the same area are complaining about the same thing or going through the same thing, they begin to validate each other's going through. And then what happens is, is, when somebody who's not going through steps into this culture, all of a sudden they get sick and it becomes contagious. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been around depressed people? You become depressed real quick or you leave. It's it's this thing that festers and it becomes a disease and and we allow it to go. What happens when we get into these areas and these cultures begin to happen is, is people, they get comfortable. Culture isn't just something that changes on a whim. It becomes deep down inside of us. And what begins to happen is that We want to be accepted rather than changed. We we want to be affirmed rather than changed. We want to be comforted rather than be changed. We want to be enabled and we want to be pitied in rather than changed. It's a good thing that God is in the transformation business because if it was up to us, we would never be changed. We better be careful. We better be careful that we're not creating cultures of enablement that festers these sicknesses and creates cultures that keep people in their sickness and stuck on their mats. So many times it's easy for us in the church to enable these sicknesses to fester. If we read on in verse 3, we begin to talk about Let's just read it real quick. And he says about these colonnades and about these multitude of blind and lame. And before Jesus sees this man, we begin to understand another thing that takes place in his life is that what begins to happen is people begin to take on the identity of their issue and they lose their name. So many times, and you know what I'm talking about, we know people by their issue, but we don't know their name. Oh, be careful when you talk to him, he's grumpy. Be careful what you say around her because the whole church will know. We begin to identify people by their issues and not their names. See, people no longer have purpose outside their issue And we live in a culture where where we celebrate these issues and, 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 and we build monuments to these issues. People forgotten who they are because they're defined by their issues. They're celebrated for their issues. They're comforted for their issues. They're made famous for their issues. And this disease festers and forms these cultures of issue identity and no names. I don't know about you, and I don't know if there's anybody else here that has an issue. I don't know if you have an issue this morning, but I believe we've come here to start renaming some people. I believe some people need new identities. You are not your issue. You are not your issue. 38 years 38 years, this man is lying here. That's longer than I've been alive. That's longer than Jesus was in ministry. 38 years. Jesus does something in this moment that most of us today would get upset about if it was our pastor. And Jesus asks a simple question, and he says, Do you want to be healed? You're like, well, why is that so offensive? Think about this. Your issue somebody comes here and and a pastor comes up and he he doesn't sit down on the mat with you and he doesn't sit down and and wallow in it, but he just says, hey, do you want to change? Do you want cut already? Hello? Do you want to be healed? Do, do, Do you want to be healed? I mean, how dare Jesus ask this question? I love what Christine Kane says here because it's so uh, 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 amazing and it kind of puts it in your perspective. So many people would get on social media today and start hashtagging mean Jesus. Hashtag Jesus isn't loving. Hashtag Jesus is not compassionate. Hashtag Jesus is judgmental. How dare Jesus judge me with my issue and ask me if I want to be healed But we wouldn't do that about Jesus. We just do that to our pastors. What makes this question that Jesus asked do you want to be healed truly amazing? And if you get the depths of it, you got to look behind it. And what Jesus is really asking is do you want the responsibility of what your healing will bring? Are you willing to lose the label of victim? Are you willing to lose some friends? Are you willing to lose the label that brings you attention? Are you willing to lose the label that makes you famous? Are you willing to give up your habits and your addictions and your way of life? With healing comes responsibility. See, it's easy to stay a victim in our culture because victims are celebrated. We have a whole culture based on this victim thing where not only uh, do they celebrate you, but they want to keep you a victim as long as possible. So what do they do? They make you a hero. Or the government may pass a new law that, that validates your victimhood or your issue. Or they'll give you money so you'll stay there. Our culture is all about this identity of your issue is okay. You are who you are. But my Bible says something different. We have to stop allowing society and Satan to tell us who we are by our issue. And we have to understand our scripture says we are more than conquerors who are in Christ Jesus. Why do we continue to allow society to dictate our issue and tell us who we are based on it? Do you want to be healed? 38 years of the same issue. 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? You would think after 38 years of being on this position, that man, he would be like, yes. That's not what he says at all. What does he say? The scripture says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. His answer after 38 years is no, no, I have no one. I have no one to put me in. I have no one to put me in. How many times have we come to church with an issue week after week and leave the same with the same issue because we don't say yes? See, we're happy to sing to Jesus. We're happy to talk about the love of Jesus and how great it is to be a Christian. We're satisfied sitting in our colonnades and festering our issues and and, and complaining about the other colonnades over there and their issues because theirs are worse than ours. We're good at creating cultures of issues and victimhood. See, instead he answers out of the abundance of his heart and he says, He says, My issue is not my fault. My issue is not my fault. He doesn't say, I want to be healed. He says, no, I am in this situation because someone hasn't or won't do anything for me. See, I love this part. If he was on this mat for 38 years, don't you think that he may just try to wiggle a little bit? Just a little bit? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't care if there's 100 people. I'm not sitting 38 years when I know there's a pool that can heal me. Even if it's once in a millennia, I'm going to be where if I'm either. all I have to do is roll into this stinking pool so I can be healed. But he's like, no, it's not my fault. Some of us need to stop complaining about what people have or have not done for us and just start to wiggle. Just start moving. So we have to understand this, and I get this. So let me pause and, 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 and not make light of this. Sometimes our issues are hard and painful. Waiting for a healing because you just got another doctor's report saying that you're dying quicker, or your marriage is on the brinks and there's no hope. Or, or you lost another job or, or another financial situation comes up. Or you decide to do a stupid move and try to tread through water in your little car. I, it's painful. And it's painful to wait and wait and wait for the healing. I don't discount that. I don't, I understand the pain, I understand it. But what begins to happen throughout that pain is one thing, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, is then we begin to change and we get comfortable and we begin to say things like, well, that healing's not for me. That change isn't for me. So we take control and we begin to tell broken people and our broken selves that we're not broken. And we really don't need to be changed or healed anymore. Because, I mean, we haven't been healed yet. Because no one has come to help us. We believe the lie that the enemy gives us. And we begin to create idols to our brokenness. And idols to our issues. To cope with what we're going through. Instead of saying yes to the healing Over and over again, we run races that celebrate the issue. We put it on pedestals and ask celebrities to come out and speak for our issue so we feel comforted. We begin to change scripture so it justifies our issue. We begin to ask our pastors to say that God is okay with our issue. Because we no longer are willing to fight for our healing. Instead of saying yes, we say no. We're not broken. And I love this. When Brent said this the first time, I just sat there and I was like, that's so good. Some people go to the extremes and say, I'm born like this. And Brent always says, well, I tell them, You might have been born this way, but that's why Jesus came, so you could be born again. You would think that that would be enough of what this guy has to say, but he goes on, and he goes a little bit further, and this is what he says. He not only complains that no one is there to help him. He goes on to say that when he would get close, even when he would try to move, Someone would push him out of the way and get him before him and he would lose out on his healing. He now complained about what others have done to him. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what that church said about me. You don't know that they stole that worship leader position from me. I'm way better than Josh and Jen. If you knew who I was, Brent would have me up there speaking every Sunday. You would recognize the gift that I am. If you just only knew, but instead you hurt me. You didn't listen to me. You got in the pool before me. See, it's time we stop complaining about what others have done to us, and start making what Jesus did for us the primary focus. See, it's not about what people can do for you or what people have done to you, it's about what Jesus has done for you, and when you can grasp onto the reality of that, you can start walking into your healing, and into your purpose, and into your destiny, and stop being held back by false identities of issues. See, the blood of Jesus doesn't give us amnesia. It doesn't tell us that and make these things go away. What the blood of Jesus does is it enables us to get up and walk. Make what Jesus did for you bigger than what anyone else has done to you. Now, if you understood the magnitude of that, you would begin to jump inside of yourself Make what Jesus did for you bigger than what anyone has ever done to you, what anyone has ever said to you, what anyone will not do for you. Make what Jesus did for you your primary focus, and you will begin to see change. So what is Jesus supposed to do with this? He disregards this, and he says two things. The first thing Jesus says to him is he challenges the man, and he says, get up. He says, get up. Well. I can't get up, Jesus. I'm lying here. He says, get up. Faith is telling you to do something you can't do. Jesus says, get up. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. But you see, Jesus understands one thing that we unfortunately in this church has lost, is that it's okay to challenge people. It's okay to challenge people. Jesus didn't say, oh, poor man that's been here 38 years. Can you tell me your story? Can you rehash why you're here on this mat with me? What are you going through? I'm so sorry that you're here. I I know it's so hard. Oh, it's okay. You know what? Let me go get you some water. And then maybe I'll set up an appointment next week with you and we can talk about your issue some more. Oh, you're still having a bad marriage? Well, let's set up more appointments. Oh, you lost another job? Oh, that's okay. I know it's not your fault. It's the companies that you work for. Jesus didn't sit on the mat. He didn't even get close to the mat. He turned to him and said, get up. Do you want to be healed? See, unfortunately, there's a spirit telling a generation to sit and stay on their mat. There's a spirit telling a generation to talk about their mat, to Instagram about their mat, to take pictures of their mat, to start a new mat group. There's a generation that is lost out there, and all they can grab a hold of is my mat is my hero instead of the master who says get up. If the enemy can make us focus on looking down at our mats and making that our primary hero of our life, I'm telling you what, we'll never be able to look up and see who's telling us to get up. We'll never be able to look and say, I am not my issue. It's time that we break the lie that compassion is acceptance and enablement through celebration. Enablement is not compassion, and we the church need to stop enabling mat lying. What you feel sorry for can actually hold people back from being healed. What you feel sorry for can actually hold people back because instead of pushing somebody and being there for them, you're there for them by enabling them to stay seated. Jesus says, get up. What happens when you get up? I love this because it ties into everything we've already talked about. I'm hurrying. He says, Get up. So many of us have been lying down for so long that we can only see from a laid down position. Our posture is in a laid down position, and so our perspective is that of one on their back. Jesus says, Get up, not to mock us. He says, Get up because He's ready to change our posture so our perspective can change. He says, Get up so we begin to see differently of those around us, but more importantly, we begin to see ourselves differently. Our perspective change, get up. He then says one other thing, pick up your mat and walk. He said, pick up the very thing that's been holding you. He says, pick up your mat, the very thing that you've identified with. He says, pick up your mat, the thing that's been holding you, and start holding on to it. Because the thing that controlled you no longer controls you, but you control it. He says, pick up your mat and walk. He said, the very thing that has held you, you hold on to. Because it no longer is your identity. Pick up your mat. So many of the times that we get told what to do is leave your mat there. And just move on. Leave your issue behind, your past behind, your healing's in front of you. And what begins to happen is is we're like, well, if the healing doesn't work, my mat's still back here and I can go back to it. I actually liked being a victim more than having responsibility, so I'm gonna go back to my mat. Oh, I left that long ago. It's no longer part of me. I just go back to it when I need it. He didn't say, leave your mat behind. He said, pick it up. Because as long as it's still in a place, that place has you locked down and captured there. You can never move forward as long as your issue controls you. As long as your issue is tied to a location, tied to a person. How many times would we allow someone to say something to us and hold us down for 38 years? God won't make you forget, but He will tell you to pick up what they said and move forward because it doesn't matter anymore. Pick up your mat and walk. I'll just ask the worship team to come back. What I love about this story is that Jesus met this man at the pool. You see, Jesus will always meet you in your brokenness. He will always come to you. and and Do you realize there were hundreds, if not thousands of people there, and he picked out one? It's because most of the time, only one's willing to say yes. Only one's willing to say, I'm ready for change and transformation. Only one. But he's willing to meet us in our brokenness. But then the scripture goes on to say is that he later found him in the temple. He later found him in that place of worship, the place of change, a place that the man was not allowed at before. You see, two things come from this is that your healing will always provide you access to places you weren't allowed to before. Your healing will allow you access to a life that was not yours before life of freedom. Your healing will provide a place for you to come. Jesus will always meet you in your brokenness, but the question becomes not will Jesus meet you. The question becomes, and the issue is, will he find you in the temple later, or will he find you where he found you on your mat? Will Jesus find you still laying on your mat after he says, get up? Or will he find you in the place of worship because of what he has done? Stand with me. So my question to you today is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be transformed? Are you tired of your issue being your identity being everything you think about day in and day out. It's time to pick up our mats. You get to choose. You get to choose. See, we have to understand something that's really hard about this though. It's when we're in our colonnades and in our cultures, if we decide to get up, there's going to be people who don't want us to get up. There's going to be people who are going to want you to stay where you're at. And sometimes the ones closest to you in your culture, in your little colonnades, they're going to be mad at you because now you've given them something that they can't argue with. You've taken away their argument of change because they see the change in you. See, Getting off your mat isn't just about you. Isn't just about what you're going through. Getting up off your mat is also about everybody else around you and who you have and come in contact with. Because if you can see perspective, you can also reach down and say, get up off your mat. Everything inside you right now may be saying, nothing will change. I am who I am. But I want to tell you, you're not your issue. Your identity is so much more because you were created by a creator who made you differently and formed you and fashioned you. He knows every hair on your head, even if you have no hair on your head. It's time for the church to stop celebrating Lang. And start challenging people to get up. 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 The church is supposed to be those that reach out and pull people up, not those that sit down and say, stay where you're at. The church is those that are supposed to, to push people towards transformation, not enable them to continue down or change the Bible to make it the way that they want it to, so that people can stay. Why are we so concerned that people should be able to stay on their mat? Isn't it just uh, the opposite of what Jesus did? Why do we keep trying to say, it's okay for you to be on your mat? Maybe one day, maybe one day when we could be the key and say, Jesus is your change, Jesus is your transformation, maybe it's because we won't get off our our mats so my question to you today is do you want to be healed do you want to be healed your healing is here and I challenge you to fight for it every day until it is yours don't allow the mat to be your identity any longer I'm going to invite the prayer team up I'm going to invite Brent to come up. Today is your day of change. We knew what heaven was doing because it already started during worship today. It already started what God wanted to do. You are not your issue. The altars are open and today is your day of change. Do you want to be healed?
1: Father, we just thank you for this word today, Lord. I believe that it that it struck many hearts in this place, Lord, that there's a place that they're sitting this morning. We just declare that it's time to get up in Jesus' name. Come on, will you worship him for a few minutes with us? We're just going to worship before we leave, and if that's you and God is saying it's time to get up, I challenge you right now, get up out of your seat and come up to the front.
0: We pray right now, Father, Lord, that we are no longer identified with our issue, God, that you've created us with a passion and a pursuit after you God. Lord may we stop looking at our mats as heroes God. May we stop looking at our mats as our identities Lord. Give us the courage this day to say no more will I be here and say yes to the call yes to the answer of do you want to be healed Lord. Allow that courage to rise up inside of us even against the waves of all the other people that we are in culture with. May we be the counterculture that begins to change the wave that begins to run through the church and into even the world God. May we be that culture shift that begins to happen this day may we not be satisfied with where we're at any longer may we not be satisfied with matt Lang, and may we never get to a place too many people in church today have been there 38 years with the same issue god may we not be here 38 years with the same issue lord May we come and answer yes, emphatically yes, Lord. I want to be healed this day. Come, come to the altar. Come to this place. Come receive your healing today.